Hey man, this is my this, this is Jason Latour. He's my Mexican friend right now. And this is Robbie Rodriguez, and you are listening to the amazing Spider Talk. Get to the chopper. Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chidacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the 12th episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We want to wish you a merry 2015, and we hope that you guys enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, for this episode, we'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man number 12 by Dan Slott and Giuseppe Comancoli. Uh Reading your comments and emails, giving away prizes, discussing uh, in the second half Amazing Spider-Man volume 2 number 33 by J. Michael Straczynski and John Romita Jr. Uh, and, and we also hope that you all checked out the uh, special interview we did with Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber for Superior Foes of Spider-Man. That was a lot of fun, Dan. I, I, I know that you weren't able to hop on with the questions with me, but I hope you enjoyed editing it <laughs> yeah mark it was a blast <laughs> thanks for the, that it was the most fun editing ever <laughs> yeah it was no actually those guys were great so yeah it was cool to listen to it while editing it um so that was fun but don't but don't uh don't make this a thing mark we'll we'll make sure we include you next time yeah absolutely of course (laughs) like all of our other episodes if you hear this sound please make sure to check out your ios device for a link to an article video or image to enhance your listening experience mark i know that you and i have a lot to talk about even though your review has not been posted yet so uh let's get right into it amazing spider-man number 12 Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around, but those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Oh man, you had to bring the review into this, didn't you, Dan? Well, fortunately, by the time this is uh, uh, posted, my my review should be up as well. But uh, you know, I'm not as quick on the draw as Mr. Dan there is over there. <laughs> Speedy fingers, Gavazdin over here. There you go. Well, I, maybe if I had a maybe if I had a team of 27 working for me, I'd be able to uh, <laughs> get my reviews up faster. <laughs> yeah, my little my little Keebler elves and everything. Your spider army. <laughs> yeah, we do have look. You could have a spider army too, or join our spider army. But you're a one man like uh, machine over here. I'm like Superior Spider Man, you know. I just think you're you're me from the past. Clearly, I mean, you, uh, just have, you have an army of little robots that are are helping you out. I have the the human the the living brain giving me coffee and a beverage. And <laughs> um, but anyway, let's talk about this comic uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> uh, so so Dad. 
you and I quite liked Amazing Spider-Man 11. I mean, I know I really liked it, and I, I, you know, your review wasn't too far off from mine in terms of your final grade. So, um, you know, I, 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 I would think we're in the same boat here in terms of feeling just a wee bit let down from what we got here in Amazing Spider-Man number 12, right? Well, I guess, you know, I will say, like, issue 11, I did have problems with it, um, you know, as I stated in the last episode. Um, and, but really, I was excited about that issue just because, like, it, like, basically shook everything up and and it, it made me anticipate the next issue that much more um, because I was like, finally, this thing is going to get, like, go into high gear and we're going to see what this is really all about. And then I found out that we actually weren't. Uh, in this issue, so that was a letdown, and maybe yeah, I, I would say maybe this issue was more of a letdown because like uh, the build up to it was was so promising. But yeah. I actually don't even know if that's true. Like I think this is like a letdown of an issue that regardless. I mean, yeah, this is this has just been a disappointing. This was a disappointing comic, no matter how you look at it, Dan, on a lot of levels. And um, I mean, you have to consider the fact that. Um, you know, I, the flaws that you pointed out uh, in issue 11 that maybe I was more happy to gloss over. I mean, here, I just feel like they were just more pronounced or, you know, anything that was wrong about issue 11 was just all over the place in issue 12. Like, it could be found on every page. Um, but let's, you know, instead of talking to generalities, let's let's get to it. I mean, yeah, I mean, just from the onset of this comic, I mean, you know, we... we we, we end the end of the last issue on that kind of stunning note regarding, you know, the death of Captain Universe Spidey and, and the capture of the Scion, which is, of course, Benji Parker, uh, Mayday's little baby brother. And we, we kick off this issue with literally repeating the scene. Like, yeah. and, and with, with dialogue that is stating the obvious, it's like, you killed Captain Universe? We killed Captain Universe. You captured the Scion? I captured the Scion. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, like, were, were they trying to hit a page count or something? Like, I, I don't, like, like that. that's so uncharacteristically inefficient for Dan Slott. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially, like, if this was a DC comic, that'd be one thing. They don't even have recap pages. This literally recaps the recap page, page and the previous issue. And like in one point, I mean, Moreland is holding the the child, and and Solis is like, "You have him." It's like, "What do you think I'm holding?" <laughs> <laughs> like, hello. Um, but you know, it, it's just like it just felt like the narrative of this comic didn't. There was no narrative, right? Like this is just vignettes. This whole comic was just, well, we're here and we're here. And we're here, and there was no flow to anything. It was like so. And 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 if I sound scattered talking about it, it's because it's hard to pinpoint exactly what to focus on, right? Well, let's talk about all these developments that came out of the last issue. Uh, you know, we have the 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 reveal of the Scion, and and you know, it's Baby Benji, and then in this issue, what's the next step of that? Moreland goes back to Loom World and he's like, I'm getting tired of tired holding this baby. Does someone else want to take him from me? And you're like, right, really? That's that's the yeah. exciting development of this tale? Right, right. And then, I mean, you know, one of the things that, that came up kind of quickly on this is is we, we introduced yet more new spiders in this book. And, you know, like – like the fun of these new Spider-Man coming out is, I think it's just long past. I mean, this 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 event has been going on 
really since the summer, if you count the Superior Spider-Man tie-ins. And, you know, we've been, you know, learning these new Spider-Men, and we've had the Edge of Spider-Verse miniseries, and we had people show up in Superior, and and it's like, you know, we're, we're more than halfway through this story now. Like, like now, now is the time to start scaling down, you know? Like, like, we've had people get killed or eaten or whatever. Let's Let's now start focusing on what we have. And, and I mean, unless some, one of these characters is going to magically turn the tide. And, if, and quite frankly, if it's, you know, Spider-Man Japan or whoever it was with the robot that showed up in this issue, I couldn't quite follow. I know Spider-Man Japan was in there, but I don't think he was the one in the robot, but whatever. No, no, no. Uh, it's, it's Takuya Yamashiro. Okay. He's from the Toei uh, uh, Spider-Man uh, Japan television series. Okay. It was like a Power Rangers kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. But like, you know, if one of these guys is going to be the one that turns the tide, then then quite frankly, I'm very disappointed in this story because, you know, you you, you kind of think it'd be one of the ones that, you know, like one of the characters we've been reading around about for the last couple of decades that would maybe have, <laughs> have and, 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 and how this thing gets, you know, shakes down and not some character from, you know, that only the hardest core uh, Spider-Man fans knows about. And like, I don't know. I mean, what did you think about that? I mean, like, I mean, these scenes are fun, but like, I, I feel like we're past this, right? Like, like now is the time to start tidying things up, like, and, and moving forward. I mean, beyond that, it's just incredibly boring. Like, yeah. okay, cool. You know, there's a giant robot, but it's dispatched literally a panel later. You know, like, do I really care, like, at all? Like, maybe if it had some kind of narrative like key narrative point to it, but like it literally just stalls the comic and it, it takes me to another point, but we got an email from a friend of the show, Matt large. Uh, and I'm going to let him ask a question that will lead us to our next point. He wrote into us and said, would the spider verse be improved if the inheritors killed off the vast majority of the spider theme characters and Dan slot focused more on making Peter Parker, the star of his own comic instead of second fiddle. Yeah, you know, like a part of me thought when this event kicked off that this was going to be like Crisis of the Infinite Earth Spider-Man style, which was going to be like kind of like Dan Slott cleaning up the multiverse, you know, like like let's just, you know, there's all these different iterations of Spider-Man and, you know, not that that Marvel has a hard time harnessing its continuity the way DC did when they wrote Crisis, but... Yeah, you know, like I, 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 I kind of thought we were going to have this, where you know we were going to probably be reduced to like Peter twenty ninety nine, Jessica Drew, Miles, and maybe a couple of others at the most. You know, I mean, obviously Spider Gwen now because she's so popular, but even you know at the time I didn't think that she was necessarily going to survive. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't really care like if he kills everybody off or not. Like, I don't think that's the problem here. I think you could tell a tale with all these characters, but the the key thing I want to pick up on that Matt introduced is the idea that like Peter Parker again here is just not the main character of his own book. If there is a main character, yeah, but, that's the thing. There, I mean, there is no main character in this book. Yeah, I mean, like he's the leader of this band, but he has shown no leadership like potential or even actions as a leader. He hasn't really done anything. Yeah, anything, I mean, was, anything of value. Like what is his plan? There is none. Yeah. I mean, outside of this confrontation with Otto last issue, I mean, and then, and you know, at that point he was like calling out the safe zone and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, okay, he, he's taking, taking command here. But like, 
you know, again, like he's had a whole issue to plan and there's no plan. Like what's the, you know, it's like, you know, the plans are all being, the, the plans are all being taken care of in these other books, which I think is also really hurting the narrative of this story right now. Yeah. I mean, the it's funny, like the B titles are, seem far more important than the A story. Um, and, 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 and beyond that, I know last episode we talked about, or I talked about how I was kind of disappointed that the story wasn't really going to be, you know, an Otto versus Peter story. Like, you know, they're two right. different ideologies about how they might tackle this enemy and, and one proving to be the, the better. Um, and you know what? If that wasn't the route that Dan Slott wanted to go on, that's totally fine. But I don't really know what has been put in its place. Like, what is the point? of this story if it's just a battle between the inheritors and and a bunch of spider-men like why does it have to be so um like heavy and like dark and 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 depressing and, and so mired in like such like thick rules and we got to get the scrolls and the scion and the like, why not just have it be like a big, goofy, fun brawl? Uh, you know that that is like jumping through the multiverse and having fun with, like, what you know, Spider-Man has offered through the years. And, and there's one moment in this book that that I think does offer that the the check-in with Miles, where you see a horse Spider-Man running up the side of a building. I mean, more of that, please. Yeah. All right. T- t- tangent alert, Dan. I'm 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 about to tell a story that's going to relate to this. All right, all are you right. are you ready? I will give you the allotted time to do so. Okay, and, and, and you know we'll, we'll have to time this, and and at the end we'll 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 let people know where where they can skip over Mark's story. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we'll get some theme um, music to this. About about I don't know, maybe a decade ago, um, my wife was charged with um, reviewing a play in, in New York City, like a off-off-off-off-Broadway play. And uh, the name of this play was called Temple. And um, the way the, the, the way Temple started is, you know, you're, it was like a theater in the round, a little like black box space. And the, the play started and like characters were coming in from the stage door and then they locked the door. So it's like... Everyone is in the, is in this room, this very small room. The door is closed. There's no way out. The actors are like in front of you from all angles. And throughout the the, the part of the play, it was like this kind of futuristic dystopian something or other with all these like characters that like faux philosophized about you know how life was crap and you know all this nihilistic thing. And somehow they just kept looking for a cell phone. And they kept saying, we need the cell phone. We need the cell phone. And they're, like, tearing apart the stage except for, like, one box, like, in the middle of the stage that wasn't even covered by anything. And, like, you know, like, my wife and I are just sitting there going, the phone's in the box. The phone's in the box. <laughs> the phone's in the box. <laughs> and it just – and they did this for an hour and a half. And it, it, it became what we called – it was the worst thing we've ever saw. It was, it was, this was, this was the, this was the Ed Wood of plays for us. You know what I mean? And, and, um, you know, it was so bad that when we don't like a play now or, or any kind of art, we rated on the temple scale, 10 temples being, (laughs) it was as bad as temple. Um, you know, and that's kind of what I'm feeling with this comic here. It was just like, you know, like I'm just staring at a bunch of people like, 
talking about doing stuff, but nobody is doing anything. And they're and they're like you said, this this like this dour and somber kind of faux philosophy and and and, and gobbledygook. And 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 this is not Dan Slott's strengths as a writer. And the like he, this is this this is not like he where Dan Slott's at his best is the Stan Lee kind of soap opera y, you know, like melodrama. This is not that. This is like like I said, this is this is like a mix between, you know, someone doing an imitation of Keanu Reeves and from The Matrix and Brad Pitt and Fight Club. And and it this doesn't work at all. Like it's just blah. I, I don't know. Like I, it, it, this, this, there's no joy in this story whatsoever. Like I, I'm, I'm deriving no joy and there's no actual joy in this story. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I wrote in my review of, of this issue that, you know, the, the best enemy that Spider-Man has ever faced was a pile of metal and water uh, like laying on top of him. Right. Like as big as the enemy is like, it doesn't matter. What matters is like the moral like center or the, the, you know, the theme or the challenge put before Peter. And like, I don't feel any kind of connection to any character in this, like what they're doing to overcome this challenge or what I'm going to learn about them and their resolve by, by going through this. Um, Especially when, when the goals aren't like set. Like I don't know what these characters are gonna do and they have two issues left to do something. Like I, it's almost funny because like the goal the, their plan was set in motion like two issues ago. Yeah. But like it's not happening in this book. This book is basically just run from the Inquisitors, the six issue series. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that they were the inheritors were all on the cover of this issue because that's kind of what this series has become. It's like you know, and like you know, I, I I write in my review, which hasn't been posted yet, <laughs> as of this recording. Um, you know, you can only kind of tonally match the last thirty minutes of Empire Strikes Back for so long before the audience just checks out. Yeah, like you know, like like there we need. I think I talked a few episodes ago about the hope spot. I call it. You know, like like what's you know where where's where's the 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 chink in the armor where where can you where can you destroy the death star um you know how how are we going to get to emperor palpatine i mean you know i'm just using star wars references i mean it's just like you know like like you need a hope spot and this the, we're not getting it right now like like you know we thought maybe karn was it but where was karn in this issue where's the cane where, where uh, yeah. well, uh, well, no, Kane is with the Scarlet Spiders. I'm sorry, but 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 where is Karn? I don't know. Where like what roles do any of these characters have? Like Morlin is, you know, he's kind of a character, but like, yeah, Karn seems to be this interesting. Like, but are, are we going to pull him out in the final two issues and make us really care about his struggle? I I don't really know that that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, the last time we got a deep. Karn bit was what the backup in Superior Thirty Three. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was September. Like yeah. it's it's January, folks. Put your story into motion, Dan Slot. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I mean, let's talk about any any and all of the developments that happened in this issue. The big one being that they are pushed out of their safe zone and they have to basically run through the multiverse to find 
like some way to escape. So they go to this like Jurassic World for half a second, right. uh, which basically just like uh, is made up of someone acknowledging that they're in a Jurassic World, but nothing really comes of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go to the next world, uh, which is the the world we saw in Spider Woman Two, which is the irradiated zone um, with silk in it. And they find another safe zone there, which, like, okay, um, like, it's smart that Silk would go back to Ezekiel's, you know, uh, bunkers. But, like, that's the narrative progression of this story. Our characters go from one safe zone to another. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, watching a game of tag and watching people run to base. I mean, <laughs> is this really is this really what it's been reduced to? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like that's that's not what I read Spider-Man comics for. The other thing is this this issue is just full of teases of of the tie-ins uh, oh, yeah. so that you go out and buy them, which make up a lot of this of this book. And some of them have interesting developments in them. And, and by developments, I mean teases to developments. Right. Um, uh, like in the 2099 check-in, we find out that they have discovered who the parent DNA for the inheritors uh, are, which right. is not something that I wanted to know about, but I guess n- now now I do, although he's con- uh, you know, uh, Miguel is conveniently cut off by poor communications. With Genics um, and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know what? Like as interesting as that could be, you know what's really frustrating? It wasn't in 2099. No. The, this scene never happened in that in that book. So like, And, I, and, and I, I thought 2099 was a lot of fun. But yeah, it didn't have any of this in it. <laughs> yeah. Did, so did, did the scene happen? I, I'm not even sure. Maybe Punisher 2099 like shot a flamethrower at it or something? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, when they when they did it the last issue, it didn't bother me as much because I kind of, you know, the main narrative of Amazing Spider-Man, there was more going on. But, yeah. like, when less is going on in the main narrative of the story and they do these check-ins, it feels, it feels like you're just trying to take money out of my pocket. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, all right, all right. Guys, I get it. Buy the books. Buy the books. Got to read them. And if we aren't buying the books at this point, like, are we going to buy the books? Right. <laughs> right. Like, uh, let me let me get the third part of a spinoff series of this book. <laughs> yeah, and in issue ten, the second part of this story, I thought it was great that they had you know they spent the time sending everyone off into their own portals because I've just figured. Oh, well, they're doing that, so they won't have to come back to this again. They're just going to send them off to their own stories, and then inevitably in the final chapter, it'll all dovetail, and everyone will come back. Um, yeah, and I just don't remember this in Spider-Island. I mean, I know there was a little bit of overlap versus in what was printed in Venom versus what was printed in Amazing Spider-Man, but not to this extent, right? No, not at all. Um, and the other books hardly ever tied in. Yeah, no, they, they, they very, very... <laughs> Very incidentally t- tied in, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, in name only. Um, yeah, I, so, and now they're in a new safe zone, but it's, like, possibly going to kill them, so how safe is it, right? Yeah. Um, but, but, but again, it's just, like, there's still no indication on what the heck are they going to do to beat these guys, you know? Like, okay, so you found a new place to stand, 
but what are you doing about the inheritors? I don't know. And and they're going to have to come up with something to make me care about Peter like yeah. as a leader because right. otherwise I'm agreeing with superior Spider-Man who's like berating him the whole time. It's like let's at least do something. You know, yeah. uh, and at this point, I don't see really much of an option other than just straight up killing these guys. Um, and we also get a hint in this issue that there's a new master plan, like that's a secret master plan of the inheritors, right? Right. Like, okay, that's interesting, but like, why? Why is this a reveal this late? Like, right? Like give I that said, to me early is... so I can be invested in in knowing what the villains' intentions are. Yeah, this is this is not the time to be introducing new information. Are these last it's, two issues just going to be like one reveal after the next? Yeah, but we kind of even anticipated that that's maybe what Goblin Nation was going to be, and it wasn't. And that's and that's where you really have to be caught, really be a little worried about where this book is headed because we've unfortunately seen this before with Dan Slott, and we're seeing it. We're seeing the downside of it more frequently than we've seen. Him turn, you know, turn away from the skid and 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 get back on the road again. You know what I mean? Like he just, it's just like he hits a, he hits a spot and then it just spins out of control. It feels like with these big events of his. Yeah. Like I and I don't know if it's if if it's a time if it's an issue of time with him. I mean I know he's always on Twitter talking about how how hard you know, overworked he is, but you know like what is going on with these stories like why 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 can't we why can't we get a satisfying arc to these stories yeah i don't know i mean look i'm not like throwing out all hope but like yeah no i know i know and nor am i but this was like he is a a herculean task ahead of him to tie up all of these loose ends and give me a, a reason to think that this story isn't just a modern um, version of Maximum Carnage, like intended yeah. to sell toys. <laughs> like at least Maximum Carnage for all of its problems, and there are too many to list here. There's about twelve <laughs> issues worth of, of problems to that story. Right. Right. Um, at least that story had a, like a moral question that was the ongoing theme of the story, which is you know the idea, you know what would essentially be the same moral theme of this story if they had gone with an Otto versus Peter thing, which is, you know, Peter versus Venom. Like, do you kill them or do you, like, let them live, you know, when right. they're causing such damage, you know? And this chance, it, it had, a, a you know, an opportunity to be more personal, right? He's kill, they're killing off, you know, alternate versions of Peter, you know? Yeah. Like, will he right. stand by and watch versions of himself die right. in, in, uh, in, in essence to preserve – his moral code. And yeah, I think that's an I mean, interesting question, but I, I don't think that that's the question this has any intention of asking. No, that, that, that quandary is not at the center of this book. This book doesn't even have like Anna Maria, like taking up smoking because of the stress of the situation, like Maximum Carnage did with Mary Jane. So <laughs> <laughs> we're putting that one in the plus column for Maximum Carnage. <laughs> A very special issue of amazing Spider-Man. Um, why don't we, in terms of story stuff, talk about that last page. Let's talk about it, Mark. Uh, um, did, it, the, did it break the internet for you? No. <laughs> um, and and if you're one of our listeners right now who is either really upset or really excited 
either direction, having a very strong emotional response to the final page reveal of Uncle Ben being the totem of this new um, safe zone. I I don't understand what the hoopla is about. Like it's well, just an alternate. It's an alternate version of Uncle Ben that that, that you know was pointed out in another issue, right, Dan? Yeah, well, in, in uh, the Spider-Verse, the, the series, the miniseries Spider-Verse, not, not to be confused with Spider-Verse, the story that's going on in Amazing Correct. Spider-Man. Spider-Verse italics versus Spider-Verse quotation marks. Right. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, one of the opening pages is drawn by Humberto Ramos and uh, written by Dan Slott. Um, showed a Uncle Ben that showed up to the spider ex- – or the exhibit, the radiation exhibit, and the, and distracted Peter and had the spider inching towards his own hand. So one could only speculate that out there existed a spider totem Uncle Ben. Um, and to this point, we got an email from um, a listener, Eric Cox, from Sylvania, Ohio. It's, not, it's missing a trans there. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and he wrote to us and said, long-time listener to the show, I've been hearing tons of people rant and rave about finding Uncle Ben at the end of ASM 12, claiming that Slot is taking away everything sacred from the Marvel Universe by bringing into play a character that is basically one of the only Marvel characters to stay gone. What are your thoughts on this? Are they right, or are they just overreacting as it's not the real Uncle Ben from 616? And I it think is we an both agree it's an overreaction. Yeah. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, and again, this is written in my yet-to-be-published review. I mean, you know, for a guy who's been dead for 50 years, Uncle Ben's gotten a lot of play in Spider-Man comics right. over the years. Right. I mean, you know, whether it's an astral form or a dream sequence or a flashback story or um, the Peter David friendly neighborhood Spider-Man story with your favorite Spider-Man 2211. Um Uncle Ben has been here, like, and and it's you, you know, like this is not sacred ground, and, and you know, like, if people are losing their mind, these are just people that are losing their mind because it's Dan Slot, and they think that Dan Slot purposely wants to like, you know, destroy their dreams or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I don't see it. I, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I'm just being obtuse, but I don't see what the what the crime is here. I'm not saying. I mean, at the same token, I think it's actually a pretty. <laughs> Putting aside the drama or the breaking of the internet or whatever, I wasn't impressed with the reveal. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it's like, it was, like, it was oh, like okay, this happened now. I was waiting for this to happen. Yeah, I mean, like, like okay, like if they had like revealed that, like, like I had heard someone speculate that maybe the Master Weaver was Uncle Ben. Yeah. And that would have interested me because then – and especially when they were like teasing like the Master Weaver was like feeding Jessica information. Yeah. I would have been like, oh, OK. Like there's a reveal. You know, it's, it's, it's Uncle Ben but not really. It's like it's like kind of like enslaved Uncle Ben or something like that. Uh, and, and he's working – you know, he's, he's going to double cross the inheritors to help the spiders. But that's not what this is. It's this, you know – Smiling Uncle Ben, you know, standing there at the end in his cardigan, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> did he have yeah. a cardigan? Now I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. But okay, uh, maybe just a he did. shirt. But maybe uh, his, his, his freshly pressed shirt, courtesy of 
May Riley. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't know what the people are making a big. Maybe they're people aren't making that big. I mean, uh, you know, Eric says people are making a big deal out of this, but well, I, I've seen on a couple of what, like you know, like and maybe these are kind of clickbaity websites, but like I, I I've seen on more than one website. Well, yeah, like, but they also are making, feeding make, into treating Marvel. this as a story. Like this is a, this is like you know like like the way that when Ultimate Peter died, it was a story. This is a story, you know what I mean? Like, like Uncle Ben's back. Like, but no, it's not Uncle Ben. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing: it serves it serves two purposes. These people that are posting this as if it's an enormous story, it yeah. serves two purposes. It advertises for Marvel, which is right. why they do something like this, of course, and put it at the end of the book. And it gets them traffic on their site because they can say, like, you won't believe what happened in this issue. You know, as much as Dan Slott likes to complain about bleeding cool, they're really just advertising his books. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Um, and I'll but admit like, to that my site probably does some of that, although we don't really like to post these kind of spoilers. things. Yeah, yeah. Well, spoilers, but also, like, I don't think that this is that big of a deal. Uh, so no. like, it's not worthy. It's a narrative development. That's not a news story really. Unless yeah. it's like Mary Jane and Peter are getting back together again. Like, well, someone had, someone had mentioned that, um, when, before the issue came out, there was some speculation. What could be this final? Cause you know, there was talk about this final page that was going to, I figured that's what it was. I figured it was uncle Ben. You thought it was uncle Ben. Well, some, one of the theories I saw was in, you know, they thought this would tie into like renew your vows would be like, we would get the reveal that the child from uh, one more day wasn't actually, you know, erased. Yeah. Um, oh, I and, thought maybe they would go into a universe where he would bump into that version of, yeah, like, or something. I mean, but to me, like again, that would have been like more, but more interesting, and it would have then went on to, you know, feed the future storyline. You know what I mean? Like, 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 because we're going to come back to that. We know that at some point. Um, then we know how Slot likes to plant seeds, but nah, Uncle Ben of Earth four five one 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 two two three 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 six 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 seven eight nine ten uh, or whatever, not verified that Earth number. Uh, <laughs> It's I, whatever. I, I'm I'm over it. Not yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's not that shocking of a reveal. I thought it was no. okay. And you know, I, to be honest, I actually think like it could be an interesting, you know, narrative development for the story. Like, but you know, if if Ben is used as he's been used by Dan Slott a number of times, in if he's been if he's being used the same way, uh, he'll just be there to kind of encourage Peter to like step up and. And rise to the action, which is fine, although really boring. Just, just one more battle, Pete. Yeah, and um, except except this is the issue you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I would I would think it was really awesome if like they got there and Uncle Ben was like a bad guy, right? Like with spider powers, like, and he's yeah. like, "Hey, come all come in here. I'm going to trap you and use you as bait." Like, yeah. great. Like, I want to read that. And, you know, maybe that's what I'll do. Who knows? But um, right. I'm not against yeah. this. I just, yeah. like, not as blown away as some people seem to be acting <laughs> to it. Why can why couldn't it have been? Who is Aunt May's other love? The, the gangster? <laughs> I forget his name. From Spectacular Annual 4? Yeah. That's who needed to be there. The, the totem there. Oh my god, what a shock. No one yeah. remembers who you are. No one remembers who you are. Um, <laughs> um just to touch quickly, um 
the art. So we had Giuseppe Camacoli here instead of Olivia Coppel. I thought Camacoli did good. I thought he held his own here. What did you think? Yeah, I thought Camacoli did a good job here. Um, I don't think it's on the level of Olivier Coypel, you know, and and the work that he was doing. And I don't even know that I think it's like the same style of work that he was doing. Like his was really dark and like moody with all these shadows. And Camacoli's is like this big, goofy, colorful, like. Very little shading, you know. It, it almost feels like it's a completely different book, but yeah, the some wonderful big big spreads here and 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 uh, and sequ- action sequences. Yeah, I, I I just I mean I still think like Common Coley is just like head and shoulders better than what he was like a year or two ago. You know what I mean? Like and 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 you know like I I, I guess my the fact that I'm impressed has more to do with the fact that it's like hey you know like. Two years ago, if you told me that Giuseppe Camacoli was going to be splitting time with Olivia Coppola, I'd be like, you know, why would you do that? And, like, it was, yeah, it's a different style. But, like, I still feel like the art was not the problem with this book. No, no, <laughs> no. You, like that. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, I thought it was it was really great. But, like, Olivier Coypel is, like, one of, one of the best, like, yeah. comic artists working maybe ever. Right. Um, although maybe not for uh, for speed. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. But we're that. gonna get him back again for the final issue. Good. 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 Um, do you want to go to grades, Dan? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it, Mark. All right. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm. You know, it's <laughs> this is another one of those books where every time I I I'm ready to give it a grade, I I, I move it down a notch. So I, I I'm I'm gonna stop at D plus. Yeah, I'm right there with you. D plus, man. It's just it's, it's like, pretty pretty bad. <laughs> not a failure, but not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I, okay. I, I, I would like to do an experiment where I just um like reread this series without this issue in it and see if I miss anything going from issue three to issue five. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Um why don't we get to some comments and emails? That sounds a lot more positive. Okay, everybody. So, uh, of course, you uh, can find Amazing Spider Talk on iTunes and Stitcher uh, by searching on Amazing Spider Talk or just searching Spider-Man. We come up pretty quickly. And um, when you do find us there, and, and of course, you subscribe because we're the best Spider-Man podcast out there, uh, be sure to leave us a rating and a comment. Uh, and we'll read them on the air. Uh, also, you can email us questions or comments uh, at amazingspidertalk at gmail dot com, and we will read those as we as we did in our review. I mean, that we're we're, we're changing things up, Dan. It's like crazy. It is cr- absolutely crazy. The actual definition of insane. Yes, yes. Um, but well, why don't we read some? Yeah. So what's what's going on next? Well, uh, before we get into the comments, I want to dedicate this. Uh, comment section to uh, Alan Scherstall of the Village Voice uh, because, you know, he we, I got in contact with him recently and found out that he was a listener uh, of our show, and I saw him on Facebook and he posted a thing about not liking when people read their uh, iTunes comments. And you know what? I, it made me think, 
I'm probably the person that's perpetrating this terrible crime on him. So I'm dedicating this uh, section to him, uh, us reading these. And and I guess it is annoying to read. Like (laughs) this was definitely your idea, Dad. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'll take I'll take full credit for the fact that we read these things. But you know, and maybe we don't have to. I, I guess the idea was, if we read them on the show, we can encourage you guys to leave us iTunes reviews. And and really, those reviews are so important to you know, get us on, um, you know, noticed on, on iTunes. Um, and, yeah. I, and I know the more reviews we get, the faster people have been joining the show. And, and you know, we even got on the front page of um, iTunes in their, um, in their like uh, hobbies and, and uh, games uh, section. So like it does help us. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's not encouraging you guys to do this, but I don't know. It's worth a shot. So um, <laughs> that all being said, Alan, I, I hope you enjoy uh, this review that we have coming at us. So, Mark, take it away. All right. Yeah. So this one's from uh, Christopher-Baker.com. Uh, title is Long Overdue Praise, five out of five stars. And Christopher Dash writes, I've listened to every episode of this podcast since episode two of what was then known as Superior Spider Talk. I have sought out other Spider-Man podcasts in the past, and while some were decent and obviously run by true fans, I couldn't find any with the structure and just genuinely relatable, likable personalities found at the Superior, excuse me, Amazing Spider Talk. These guys know their stuff, they're fun to listen to, and the show manages a definite structure without feeling completely formulaic. I don't always agree with their thoughts, but they're always well-spoken, even when they're wrong. Smiley face emoticon. Keep up the great work, guys. Uh, I love that uh, Christopher, who, um, if you go to his site, Christopher-Baker.com, he's a a comic book writer himself, um, and I encourage you to check it out, but... um, uh, I like that the idea that he's been listening since the second episode of the show. Like, <laughs> he didn't go back and check out that first episode. He's listened <laughs> to everything but the first episode. Well, you know, yeah. we were we were we were just fine. It's like watching the pilots of Sex in the City. Who actually watches that? Who watches Sex in the City? Not me. Clearly, uh, clearly not. No. Um, uh, and then he mentions that, like, he doesn't always agree with our thoughts. That that's great. I want to hear from you. Write in when you don't agree with us. Like yes. that, that'll make a, a lot more fun for us. We want to know what you guys think of these issues and, and stuff. And, and, I, and we'll read it on the air. Isn't I that amazing? Don't, I don't, actually don't like confrontation, Dan. Oh, well, I relish it. Okay. As someone who writes reviews and, and stuff more and more professionally, I love it when people disagree with me. I actually would prefer it if you disagree with me than agree with me. Yeah, you do it on Chasing Amazing, and it's a bad hammer for you, man. Hit <laughs> <laughs> you with the bad hammer. Yeah, I'm right. Kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. you we... you do it, Mark. You, you... I just generally ignore those comments. <laughs> like, okay, you you're, you can you can you can you can publish that, but I'm not resp- I'm not going to dignify it with a response. I like to engage those people, even if it means them kind of like most for the most part uh, trolling my site with their strange opinions. But, uh, I, I tend to think that the comment section on any site, even if it's your own site, it's kind of like Mos Eisley. It's a vile den of villainy and scum and all those other things. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think if you if you encourage the right kind of audience, they can they can come. There's a site I follow for film, uh, thedissolve.com, and their um, comment section is just a joy to read. But 
I don't know what they did to create that. I guess it just might attract that uh, a good kind of audience. I, I'm not sure. So um, we have a plug here to give, Mark. Uh, a good friends of ours asked us to promote uh, an event that they hold. Yeah, it's on Saturdays, right? I, I, uh, it's uh, called Hashtag Drunk Pete. That's P-E-T-E, as in Peter Parker. Yeah. And uh, my, from my understanding, Dan, I haven't done one of these and I need to. Um, they, they, they all pick an issue of Spider-Man to read. Uh, they thematically pick a beer or, or a beverage of some sort. Um, so I, I guess 21 and older should be uh, advised for this, for this hashtag game, unless you want to just drink the soft drink version of it. Well, don't and, forget our international listeners. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, and then they, they enjoy this beverage and, and, and blah and tweet about the comic, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 typically just make fun of it and and point out where Peter is drunk in the comic. Um, <laughs> I, I um, there was one that I actually like thought I was really cool and suggested a beer for, but it wasn't readily available to those on the West Coast because there's a couple of West Coasters who do this. They were going to do a, a Mysterio issue, and I said you got to do. There's a beer by a Blue Point Brewery here in New York called Hoptical Illusion, <laughs> and they're like. Oh, but they couldn't find it. But then someone came up with the right with with the best beer for for a Mysterio story. Do you know what that is? No. What is it? Bex. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, so. There is a Green Goblin beer. So oh, there you go. Uh, th- there's a good one. There's a good one for you guys. So that's <laughs> that's hashtag Drunk Pete. All you have to do is just. Use that on Twitter, and, and it should plug you right into those guys. And so it's Saturday night at 9 p.m., although this weekend it's Saturday at 10 p.m. because of, I guess, some family issues or something like that. So if you guys want to join in, just uh, let them know with a hashtag, and uh, and you can jump right in on the action. So uh, You're Mark, talking Eastern Standard Time, right? Eastern Standard Time, yes. That's very important, <laughs> uh, or else we have a lot of confusion going on. So uh, – <laughs> Let's get right into our donations then, Mark. Stand a little straighter, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder, joke around the trader, we can show you how to, and when will you be then? You belong, you belong, you belong, you belong to the Merry Marble Marching Society. March along, march along, march along to the song of the Merry Marble Marching Society. If you growl, if you groan, with the dour sour up, we'll give you howl, give you moan, you can lose your sour cause the keeping trim and in step with the vim and Donation, donation. The best nation in the land is your friendly neighborhood spider talk donation, right, Dan? Absolutely, Mark. (laughs) Shut up, Mark. Now is the time of the show where we thank all the wonderful people who have decided to donate some of their hard-earned do-re-me to the show and have opted to join the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. This week, we'd like to thank new members Jonathan Jacob and Daniel Stones. We'd also like to thank Tom Aiello for donating to us again. Um, I mean, I'm glad you love us. Uh, keep giving, but 
Wow, you're you're super generous, and we always appreciate it. Yes, very generous of you, Tom, so thanks again. We've got a bunch of comics to give away this week, so check your emails, club members. Yeah, and uh, I think Tom is probably going to be, like, running this show in, like, another couple of months, right, Dan? Like, he's he's just going to pop on and be like, I want you guys to dance for an hour. (laughs) We will do it, Tom. We promise. We will do it, yes. Although, Mark, um, you still owe us that dancing uh, yeah. Spider-Man 3 video. I'm, gonna yeah. hold, I'm holding you to the fire for this one. I, I, I did the Ice Bucket Challenge. Isn't that enough in terms of videos? I mean... <laughs> no, not uh, no, no, not not in the least. Um, but besides videos and everything, if you want to be like Tom Aiello and, keep, and, and give us lots of money uh, and want to become a member of the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club, uh, go to our sites and click on the giant button that reads Friendlyhood Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. What is this? Why did we name it that, Dan? What is this friendlyhood <laughs> word you're inventing? Friendlyhood Neighborly Spider Talk Members Club. I'm just going to change it one of these days to be whatever you've made up, and everyone will be confused. Spiderly Member Talk Club Member Friderhood. That, that's perfect, Mark. Let's, <laughs> let's move on before you hurt yourself and talk about Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2, number 33. So now this is part four, right? Yes, one, two, three, four. Yes, because it's in, in sync with Spider-Verse, of course, of the the great coming home arc from 2001 by J. Michael Straczynski and John Romita Jr. And in this issue, we finally get the showdown with Moreland. Uh, and boy, was – I mean this this comic is just one big fight. But yeah, this is damn- going to be the worst episode of radio ever because it's like, well, the, the images were nice. Yeah, like Ramita's awesome, but but it, but the, it told the story. It tells a really good story. Like I feel like this is kind of like um, the the Ramita JMS equivalent to what Ramita and J- Roger Stern did in the Juggernaut arc. Like you know, it's it's just very action heavy, but it tells a huge story throughout. Yeah, absolutely, and and big turn and big turns for Peter that reveal like you know his character in in the ways that we like. In the best of Spider-Man, where it's like that never di- never say die spirit that he has. Yeah, I mean his his back is totally. I mean he's just like comes out comes at Moral and he's like, all right, you you think you're so big, you think you're so tough, and you know Ezekiel's telling me I can't beat you, but I'm I'm going to show you I can beat you. And I think he even makes a joke, right? It's like power, responsibility, and a great left hook or something like that. Like he's he's kind of like you know cocky and trash talking. And then as the fight goes on and on and on, and we learn it goes on at least three hours, um, it's, he's just like – it just becomes this nightmare for him. Like why won't this guy go down? You know, It's like um, – and, and just, just, just the drama and, and tension um, that's presented here. I mean like, like you know, I think we say this a lot in 
in comics, like, oh, you've never seen a villain like this or a character like this or a fight like this. I think I can honestly say I've never seen or read a fight like this before in a Spider-Man comic. Yeah. I, I, if if it's not my favorite, it's it's in my top three of Spider-Man fights, I guess, of of the entire run. Um, you know, probably Are, probably a Green Goblin would be up there. You mean the the death of Gwen, death of Goblin one? Yeah, yeah. But even then, that that's a quick little like physical back and forth. This is like really brutal and full and full of a, a wonderful drama, and a, a lot of that I think comes from how unique uh, of a villain Morlin is in the way that he like carries himself and approaches this battle. And Spider-Man lays it all out like right at the beginning. He's, you know, Morlin is quiet and Spider-Man's like blabbering about how all of his villains usually just come at him like spouting all of their crazy ego maniacal plans and, and ideas. And Morlin is just like, it's just business. Like it's how he lives and it's really terrifying because he just doesn't say anything. Yeah, I mean, he, he the one thing he says in the beginning is, you're funny. It's it's a shame that I have to kill you. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's not like in that sarcastic, you know, maniacal villain way. It's just like, yeah, I, I got to kill you though, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> you know, like, um, say la vie. And the, more, and the more that Spider-Man, like, you know, talks, it, you, the more you you realize how much his his joking is just to, like a defense mechanism so he doesn't like freak out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, we kind of, in the learning the crawl miniseries, they kind of talked about, Oh, why do you joke Spidey? I mean, but this, this to me, I think is a much better demonstration of what the purpose of that really has been over the years. You know, it's always been this defense mechanism, but like, you know, like, like you said, it, it like the chatter comes almost more irreverent and nonsensical, like the more into the fight this goes. Um, I loved the element of, of Moreland to kind of keep drawing Spidey out, like you going after innocence. Yeah. And even like that moment, like it's, it's, you know, we talk about this, we, you know, sometimes when, when we refer to um, like superior Spider-Man nine, like the, the, it was just a moment. Um, but you know, here, uh, in terms of a moment of self doubt where, where Peter's like, you know, no more innocence. And then he kind of parenthetically says, but aren't I an innocent, you know, it's like that, <laughs> you know, like I, to me, I kind of saw that as like this clever little twist by JMS to be like, you know, like he, like he's going to adhere to power and responsibility, but he'd rather not be with this guy. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's, let's, uh, let's be honest. Morlin does everything that like a villain can do to him. He's like, he's fast. He's powerful. He can trigger Peter's spider sense in like ways that, you know, debilitate him. He hurts civilians. He breaks Peter's bones. He, He can track him anywhere, whether he's in costume or not. I mean, this guy is, you know, he rounds the bases in terms of like ex, uh, exploiting Spider-Man's weaknesses. Even Peter even tries to escape by going to the top of a building, and Moreland just like hand over fist climbs up the uh, or hand over the oh, hand over foot climbs yeah. up the side of a building. 
And then even then he, he, he survives an explosion and just, you know, he's got no clothes on him and he's just like, I need a new outfit. And you're just like, Oh my goodness. Like what, what is it going to take to just get rid of this guy? Right. Yeah. And somewhere they found a nearby Renaissance outfit for, to reclothe him in. I think that's your favorite detail of Moreland's, his Renaissance outfit. <laughs> I just, I just think <laughs> you come funny. back to that more than I think anything else when it comes to the character. <laughs> well, I mean, look, he's, you know, as far as a character, like, he's defined a lot by his look. I mean, that Renaissance outfit is, is a pretty big, like, part of, like, what makes him terrifying, I guess. I mean, I've always had, like, an innate fear of Renaissance garb. Have you ever been to a Ren Fest? Yeah, I, I didn't go in I didn't go in Gar, but I used to live up in the the Inwood neighborhood of Manhattan that's up by the Cloister Museum mm. and they do a, a big festival every year. So I went one year. I enjoyed a smoked turkey leg because that's the one thing I wanted to do at the Renaissance Fest. Watch some people joust. It was good. That's that should should have happened in this book. He should have brought him a new costume and a turkey leg. Oh man, those turkey legs. In in see in Florida they call them gator legs. Oh uh, you know. It's turkey. What if Moreland came back out in a corset? Nice. <laughs> he would have delectable breasts. <laughs> uh, you, you said it. I'm, I'm going to let you bury yourself with that one. Well, you brought up the corset first. so yeah, All right. <laughs> it's just that kind of thing. And then, of course, the, this comic ends with, like, the mother of all gut punches, which is just, like, Spidey crawling back to Ezekiel and Ezekiel being like, I can't help you. You're dead now. Yeah, he says, you're going to die and there's nothing anyone can do about it. And he's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, um, there's a wonderful moment I want to highlight here when uh, uh, Moreland punches Spider-Man into like – I'm guessing it's like a bar of some sort. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's in his uh, civilian attire, and he decides, you know what? Actually, I'm gonna fight. And he like redresses himself. And man, JRJR just he knocked it out of the park in this issue. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, this run of issues specifically, but you know, you could probably highlight this issue in that, uh, maybe the 9/11 issue too. I mean, it's, this is kind of what distinguished Jr. Like, you know, there's there's Ramita Senior, there's Dicko, and then I think when it comes to Spider-Man artists, it's Jr. Jr. You know what I mean? Like, he's like kind of like third in the pecking order to me because of this run. Yeah, I would love to see. Like, I need, I would pay so much money for a Marcos Martin sustained run on this book so that I could claim that he was up there with them. Yeah. Like he but like yeah, he's the next weirdest illustrator and but anyway, that's that's another point altogether. There's a double page spread in this which is like first off it's amazingly drawn by John Romita Jr. Uh, like we were just saying, but um it's this big action fight between Moral and Spider-Man as is the rest of this issue. But this this double page spread, it's like those um those like commercials or like those like uh TV specials where they have like some insane karate master who stands up on like a stage and various people come up with different items and break them over his calves repeatedly. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, so they'll come up with like, they're like, okay, he's going to break this wood and then they're going to graduate it to a chair and then it's a baseball bat and then it's like a lead pipe. And in this, this issue, like Spider-Man and Moreland are just doing that to each other for a double page spread where they're like breaking cars and buildings over each other. It's insane. Like the whole page is like a giant shattered glass collection uh, of, of Spider-Man and Moreland just – Applying the force of these different objects to each other's bodies. Agreed. <laughs> it's also like a. It's also multiple plugs for Letterman in this book. Oh Just yeah, that is that true. Epic. That is true. JMS, JMS was dying to go on Letterman. I guess so. Yeah, that, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me knowing Straczynski. Yeah. Um. So awesome issue again. I know we say that at the end of every one of these, but, you know. Looks like it's time for us to say goodbye. Parting is such sweet sorrow. But, of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, make sure to leave us a rating in the comment and let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air to the chagrin of some of our listeners. Alas, poor Horatio. See, I can make Shakespeare quotes, too. Also, be sure to check out both of our Facebook pages at facebook.com slash superiorspidertalk and facebook.com slash chasingamazing, uh, where we will talk about people leaving comments about and reading them on the air, but also (laughs) because they're great places to keep up with us in between shows, uh, and it's just a good way to get in touch with us. Other than leaving comments and having us read them on the air. Exactly. Um, and also don't forget to check out the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club, or also known as the Friendlyhood Neighborly uh, Member Talk Spider Club, uh, that helps support our show. That was so succinct, Mark. I, I am a man of economy, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, man of economy, where can we find, well, your innumerable writings on the internet? <laughs> I'm very economical in that. I actually really have limited a lot of my writing to two primary sites, which is my main site, the hub for my Spider-Man stuff, which is www.chasingamazingblog.com. Um, and you can follow my Twitter handle at chasingasmblog. Um, and then you can find my more general comic book writing at comicbook.com, uh, where I'm up about three or four times a week talking, making lists and talking 90s and talking Silver Age and, you know, whatever else the good folks at comicbook.com allow me to write about that week. I don't think that you guys know this, but Mark actually is able to read comic books while sleeping. It's his weird <laughs> mutant power. <laughs> yeah, it's a little... Yeah, you 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 were talking earlier about your hundreds of pages of reading you have to do for grad school, and I was joking. Yeah, I probably read about eight hundred pages of comics a week, and that's probably not that far off. Yeah. So. Well, to to continue our references to the Matrix, I'm guessing you just download them into your brain. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the only problem is I sometimes consume them so quickly that that they can sometimes evaporate like immediately following when I have to write about them. <laughs> I don't know how you remember any of them or why you still like comics. I <laughs> I don't know. Dan, where do we find you on the internet? Uh, <laughs> where are we dodging the question, are we? Uh, I, I love comics. All right. Well, you can find me on the internet 
at uh, my Spider-Man site, superiorspidertalk.com, or follow me on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk to get all of my internet ramblings. Um, Mark, uh, you know, we saw Uncle Ben in, in this comic. Uh, did he have anything to say? <laughs> yeah, you know, first he was like, whoa, close the door, man. What are you, live in a barn? Like, you're letting all the radiation in to my home. Uh, <laughs> and then he reminded us that with great podcasts, there must also come amazing spider talk. 